two things that are super impressive at, at the higher level. The first one's probably like flexibility and adaptability. Obviously, things move, particularly the last couple of years with COVID, but programs move, you know, athlete sort of scheduling changes, games sort of either are harder or easier, loading changes. Things, things are very, very movable. And, and that, so those elite coaches' ability to, to adapt and still get the most out of what they want is, is pretty special. And I Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I am your host, and today my guest is Callum Morgan. He's our most recent strength conditioning coach looking after the athletes living in the western suburbs of Melbourne and really looking forward to chatting about his coaching journey as well as everything to do with AFL strength and conditioning. So if you're a parent of a junior athlete or um, you're, you know someone who'd be interested in working with us, make sure to listen into the whole show. We're going to dive into a lot of uh, fun and exciting topics, all things to do with footy. For those new to our podcast, our mission here at Prepare Like a Pro is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please show support by following us on Instagram and subscribing to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome, Caleb. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a pretty exciting opportunity. Man. I'm a little bit nervous. I think I need to you know, get involved and get settled down. Good. Thank you. It's good to have you on, mate, and, and looking forward to sharing your coaching journey. Take us to the very beginning, mate. At what age did you discover you had a passion for you know, strength conditioning, but also working with elite athletes? Nah, that's, a, that's a great question. I was thinking um, sort of about that recently and, and sort of how I got involved and why I really enjoy coaching as well. And I think for me, it was sort of, I'd gone back from the US, I sort of graduated high school in the US and I sort of rolled straight into coaching. It was on-field coaching at the time, but I got straight into it and I just absolutely loved it. I was sort of yeah, 19 at the time and loved, loved being able to connect with, with the athletes and educate and mentor and that feeling of being able to help someone. I guess it's, like almost, it's almost selfless and selfish in, in a manner of I really enjoy being able to impact positively on, on, on a young person's life, their sporting career particularly. And so that turned very quickly into how can I turn this into a career? Like, this is a passion. I really enjoy doing it. And so 1920, what's the next step for me? And, and, and that sort of ended up being, uh, yeah, jumping in that to doing my Cert 3 and 4 at BU. Um, obviously, graduating in the US meant that I didn't have my sort of VCE certificates and such. And so I, I went through the taste of Cert 3, Cert 4, got that out of the way really quickly, really early. And BU's program was a pretty good one. And, and that sort of gave me automatic entrance into, into sports science, exercise science. Sort of fell in love with the process of, like I said, coaching and being able to impact athletes and young people in general from an early sort of point. Then the, the passion for, for S&C itself and sports science itself sort of developed along the way. So I think I always describe myself as, a, as probably a people person first rather than a sports scientist. Uh, you know, a, a coach over a strength conditioning coach. You, might, you know, my passions are in that interconnected sort of process and, and being able, like I said, yeah, I keep saying, but educating and mentoring. So started really early. Long, long answer short, it was probably about 19 when I started coaching, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, relatively young for, compared to most coaches that takes a little bit longer to find their journey and their passion. Uh, you mentioned, you know, graduating in the US. Uh, take us through that. Is that where you, you were born in America no, or no. born in Australia, moved over there for a period of time? How long were you in the US? 
well, born in Melbourne, Australia, or born in country and, and lived in Melbourne and uh, playing footy growing up, you know, and I was always a really good runner and, uh, you know, skills weren't very good, but I felt like I was on the way to becoming something and I really wanted to become something. And one of my weaknesses was always sort of toughness over the footy. And so I thought, what, what could I do possibly to, to sort of increase that ability and, and sort of, you know, make that a strength of mine? I thought American football is a fantastic idea. Yeah. So I started playing American football, was about 15 or 16, and I just fell in love with it. The process and the, the, the sort of the, the level of dedication and involvement in it was just amazing. So I started doing that, fell in love with it, sort of went through the processes sort of through the state and national programs, and ended up still getting the opportunity to go to the state in my last year of high school as a senior. So I was there for one year, played, played some high school football, and then graduated from there and ended up coming back here and doing university here. But along the journey and... Part of, I think part of the reason I became so in love with coaching is, is American football and its sort of specificity and its involvement as a coach. And it's like its skill development and, and technique development. Is, it's really, really like high. And I think that that, that process, and I really love that. I, you know, I've always, even when I was 15 playing footy, I've just loved like, how can I get better? And, and someone teaching me, this is what you can do and this is how you can better. And um, yeah, just, just always so in love with that. So sort of came together and of all led to where I am now, I think, yeah. very much so. Wow, that's, uh, that's an interesting background, mate. Grew up in the country, moved to the city, and then over to the States to uh, finish your final year and over in America. Yeah. That's, uh, that's ballsy. I love that. Um, yeah, for, for you, met, you mentioned falling in love with the, with the coaching side. What, what made you think about moving down more the strength conditioning sports side as opposed to the tactical, technical side of coaching? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I think as, as I sort of went through my process of getting better as, a, as an athlete or, or, you know, working my way up those levels. Uh, there were a couple of coaches along the way who were, who were really impactful to me, you know, by, by name or in name dropping them. But Matt, Matthew Pell, who's now based at Catapult, um, Pell used to sort of work quite a, quite a lot, like a lot with me. And, and he was just, his impact on me as both an athlete and, and a person was pretty, pretty big. And, and so was an, uh, sort of another, another guy growing up with Aris, so Aristotle, who's now in North Melbourne, who's a trainer. Huge impact as, as to, like, to me as a person, first and foremost, but also my athletic career. And I think I always thought I want to do that. I want to be able to impact someone the same way and have the same sort of positive impact on, on, on people's lives. And so it just made sense. And I don't know that sports science or strength conditioning is better than tactical in any, in any way. It was just what had such an impact on me meant that I sort of went down that path. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes a lot of sense. It's great. To, and goes to show once you get later into your career that you're recognizing the impact you can have with those, you know, either working under you at the same level that you can have. So clearly those guys were quite impactful in you yeah, know, your decision-making and forging your path. What about on that note, uh, are there influences or mentors, if you like, that have helped shape you to the coach you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I think I straight away I mentioned those two guys again, Maddie and Aris, really early on. And then I think sort of as I went through the process of being a young coach and doing the internship, Getting a couple of opportunities along the way. There's probably a couple of people. I think the first one that really sticks out to me, um, I did my internship, uh, cadetship with the Western Bulldogs men's program a couple of years ago. Two coaches there at the time. Um, obviously, a, a year-long cadetship is going to be a very large impact on your education and development as a coach, I'm sure. But um, Andy Barnett and, and Kelvin Philp at the time were, were amazing and, and um, very contrasting in their, in their uh, systems and the way they sort of interacted with people and the way they thought about sort of strength conditioning and sports science, but both were so amazing. I think like for me, watching someone like Calvin, who, who's now at Port, just the way he could, he could take information from a study or, or, or from what he'd read in research and apply it so directly and so well 
into his training systems was, was just incredible to watch, to be honest. It's someone that had a big impact on me. Um, and then I think sort of moving into my own coaching at the Doggies with the women's programs, uh, Liv Knowles and, and Ben um, were there, Ben Walker. And um, I've been, was with under them, I guess, as Ben as an SSC coach and Liv as the head performance manager for it would almost been two years and, and just being able to be with them and learn and see them interact with athletes and how they sort of incorporate their own systems and, and, and um, processes, I think was pretty, pretty big for me as well. So <laughs> they're probably the, the, the big one. Um, yeah. And then the last one probably I'll throw in there because I just like throwing people's names in the hat is uh, yeah. recently working with uh, Phil, Phil Danzi, who's at the doggies as well. For him, he's a rehab coordinator there. So it's a little bit different and, and obviously a little bit of a sidestep from, from my, my core at the high performance roles, but we spent a lot of time talking about sort of change of direction and speed stuff and the need for its development in footy and in junior football, particularly, but athletes and athlete development and how we could probably do that a lot better in Australia. And, and that's like, mm. the, I, like American football is change of direction and speed. So I was, I love speaking with him and, and that sort of got my mind thinking. And really, to be honest, when I, when I sort of reached out to you and we sort of had those conversations earlier on, and I sort of jumped on board with Prepare Like a Pro. Um, the concepts that Phil and I were speaking about and trying to develop just fit so well into the single like one-on-one coaching development systems and, and how I could take some of that conversations we were having and apply it to the athletes that I'm working with now, see such benefits in it. And, and I knew the importance. Now I can really one-on-one with an athlete, work with them, develop change of direction, speed, tick leads, breaking down into tackles, being able to run S-bends, all that really you know nitty-gritty sports scientist stuff that see it happen and see it really transform athletes' ability to move across the field. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it can be refreshing at times when you've worked only in team sports where obviously the athletes are pulled, everyone wants time with the athletes, and now you've got a whole 60 minutes with, with only one athlete. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice luxury to have. To, on yeah. that note, talk, talk us about um, your one-on-one work. So for a potential athlete uh, or even a parent uh, thinking about doing some strength conditioning, what are some of the benefits of, of strength conditioning at you know, ages from sort of 14 to 18 for footballers, but also what would a typical session sort of flow like um, when working with yourself? Yeah, I think like for me, the biggest thing is, uh, and I, I say this all the time, people, if, if anyone who watches knows me, I've said it a million times. I think that athletes in Australia, uh, we don't do a very good job of teaching athletes how to run and move well at a younger age. Um, we, we get them to run three or four or five kilometers at a time and they're elite endurance athletes and they can kick a footy really well. But in terms of actual speed, like speed run tech, change direction run tech, that stuff, I think we don't do a very good job of it. And like you said, at the team level, it's just not as important as being able to run your aerobic stuff, being able to run out of game, being able to hit a target on, you know, by foot or by hand and understand the game. So, of course, and I understand why it falls down, but I think that there's a really big piece for young athletes to go, I'm going to learn how to run, I'm going to learn how to move really quickly and really well, and then they'll plug into my game and it'll just take me from a good football player to a really good football player. So um, that's probably the, the overview. And then for a session for me, I think it's, you know, you basically warm up, you get involved, you're getting moving. Um, we're going through sort of our, our run tech flow stuff. We're going through our decel, our jump, and then our plyos and, and getting some, some jump landing tech in there really early and getting them firing. Then we go through our speed. And I like to sort of break speed into a couple of different components. You know, I think there's acceleration and top end speed and, and teaching the athletes about those different things. And having some fun with it too. We, we, you know, the athletes I'm working with at the moment, I'll, I'll get them studying different positions and doing different things. Um, and then my, my favorite stuff is the change of direction stuff. So, you know, your Y cuts, your T cuts, your S bends, um, your A returns, um, things that then take those and then transition them into the field. So 
a, you know, a, a return cart looks like it looks like a return leader, a tick lead. Um, you know, your decels into into an acceleration look like a tackle when you're approaching an opponent. There's all those little things that I really enjoy doing first and love it. So being able to work with an athlete one-on-one and do that, it's pretty special. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing, mate, and giving us a good insight. Um, what do you think are some common mistakes that uh, you know athletes either make on themselves when they're sort of looking after their own strength and conditioning or, or perhaps poachers that are cutting their teeth at, at certain programs and, and you know are commonly making um, that you've seen over time or, or perhaps you've made yourself that you've learned yeah. uh, from your mentors from? Yeah, I think um, like the first one for me that I think that people lose sight of just all the time and I think something that I'm pretty passionate about is the idea of having fun and enjoying the process and what you're doing. Like I just like it's so so cliche. It's so simplistic. I know, but we're working with kids, working with 14 to 18, even 14 to 24. Like young people, I think enjoying sport, having fun, being able to go out and work really hard and get better, but but enjoy doing that. It's it's so important, so critical, and I think that's really easily forgotten. Uh, there's so much pressure to perform and get better. Um, that's probably the cliche sort of basic one I, I would say. But but I think the second one's probably. Um, transferability is the word I'd use, but why are we doing what we're doing in the gym or on the field? Like everything we do, I, you know, from my belief is that it needs to be able to be transferred onto the field. The reason we're in the gym in the first place is because we want to become better football players, not because we want to get better at the bench press. Or the reason we're, we're going out and doing spin change direction drills is not because we're trying to be an elite 100 meter athlete. We may be at the same time as being a football player, but we're trying to become better football players, mm. you know? So I, I think losing sight of that transferability is, is a really big one. And, and where do you think or why do you think people, um, you know, potentially a lot of coaches will have that, you know, talk about specificity and how everything's got purpose, but it's one thing to sort of say it, another thing to actually for it to be, you know, eventuate yeah. and, and, and actually happen for the athlete. Like, where do you think the fall down comes from? Is it programming? Is it experience, understanding, you know, what, how to have a good filter um, for, to what's relevant or is it communicating to the athlete to get that intent? Well, yeah, what do you think from an effectiveness point of view? Yeah, it's a good question. I think part of it is the obsession we have in SNC with like key milestones or, or key like uh, parameters or, or testing parameters. So your three RMs or your twenty meter shuttles. Um, I, I know that they're critical for, for tracking athlete development across a sort of a, a span of time. But I, I think we sometimes fall into the trap of really worrying about an athlete's three RM on the bench press rather than how well they're moving or pushing off an opponent or how their shoulders feeling after a big preseason. Don't know that it's always that but i think that's part of it and i think that if you obviously you're trying to you're trying to test and retest and 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 see growth and development in an athlete but less obsessed with the numbers and and more obsessed with how the athlete's feeling and and moving and 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 hopefully along that way those parameters and testing parameters are moving with it i think yeah that makes sense yeah no it does yeah i think um yeah I think you're out on the head, mate. That resonates with me. We can get stuck in our own sort of silo of focusing on measure. Maybe if you're measured on those results and think that's what yeah, most correct. And really, like you said, it's a football program, and everything should be revolved around helping the footballers, you know, be able to play better footy. Um, Absolutely. What about is there be, has there been an athlete over your time that surprised you in the you know the results they've achieved or perhaps the the level that they reached? Um, and and what sort of you know why did they surprise you in? In, you know, and what did you sort of learn from their approach? I saw it a couple of different ways with that. Uh, there, there's for me. I, I always, I just, I adore and love working with athletes that really buy into the process, are really genuinely involved in in learning and understanding what's happening and why it's happening, and and want to know more, and really have an appetite for that understanding. 
I think as a coach, it's so easy because as a coach, you know, we love the process so much. We love what we're doing, you know, the, the programming, the, the amount of research we've done, the amount of schoolwork. And then like, we love that. Right. So when an athlete sort of buys into that and has an appetite for it, it's, it's quite, a, quite a sense of sort of, oh, I don't know, connectivity or like, it's all, it all was for a reason and it sort of makes sense. But I think the flip side to that is sometimes I'm surprised by the athletes who maybe, how do I say this as an SNC coach? Don't, don't love the gym or don't love the process as much. Get everything done that they need to do um, and, and do, do what they need to do. But, but again, that key piece of they're really good footballers and football is the, is, the, is the key. They're not trying to become, you know, an elite bodybuilder or an Olympic lifter. Like they'll do what they need to do and, and they're bored into the process, but they're always ensuring that they're not losing sight of on field or being able to move well or that, that kind of thing. So not being like, uh, yeah, I try not to say like, if, if you don't work hard, they're working really hard and they're on the top of their game. But again, they just do what's transferable and make it quiet to the game and they really make sure that it works and comes together. Something yeah. that I probably learned a little bit along the way if, as a coach, because you're so obsessed, again, getting numbers and pushing athletes and making them bigger, stronger and faster. And you see, sometimes you see athletes that are really good footballers. They're in eSport, really good athletes across the field, across different fields of sport. And they do what they need to do, but it's sport that they really love and they're really good at and they really focus on. And that, that's their point. wake up. Uh, that's great. That's great insight, mate. What about on yourself, mate? What are your favorite ways to, to develop your own skill set through, whether it be speaking to other practitioners, like you mentioned, Pelly, or you know, is it reading books, uh, journal articles, podcasts? Take us through your, your favorite way to sort of absorb it. Yeah, I think uh, as most young people these days, podcasts, like uh, online audio books, are a, a go to for me. Yeah, that's just so easy. It can be doing other things that can be traveling, going to work, or going to training and so forth. But I think I probably, especially through uni, it was quite difficult to, like, for me, it's like I really need to, to apply something myself. And so what I sort of fell in love with, and, and I'm sure other coaches do this as well, but is, is learning something or hearing something or seeing something, uh, someone else do it and taking that and applying to either my own training or an athlete that I've worked with for a, an extended period of time who I trust and I can sort of go, I know their programming, I know what they're capable of, let me throw, a, you know, let me throw this change of direction drill at them and see how they respond. And, and not because I've worked with them for a long time, I know I can communicate well with them as well. Um, but my own training as well, taking that concept and knowledge and our idea and applying it, I think is a really big thing for me, like actually trialing it, trialing and erroring it. How does it feel? How does that new eccentric hamstring, does that blow my hamstring? Yep, that really hurt. I've got to be really careful if I throw that in athlete as well. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, practicing what you preach. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, what about if you could work in any elite sport in the world, what would be your choice and, and why, mate? Gosh, I think I think I would love I would love to be involved at the college level. I think college football, obviously that was my growing up I was playing football, American football, and that was my sort of aspiration. So there's there's probably a, a part of a former life, a past life that really wants to get there and maybe it's a different role to, as a coach rather than a player. But that environment would be pretty special, I think. It's a lot of high energy. Um you've got, you know, a huge, a huge squad of, of, of young people that you could work with and, and and sort of impact on. And that would be heaps of fun, I think. As a as a sort of I don't know if I'd do it forever. It's pretty full on, I think, over there, but if I could do that for a little bit of time, it would be pretty cool. Sure. And you mentioned earlier, like the learning from, from the elite athletes, the best of what they do, how they've got that yeah, strong ability about focusing on what's really important and still doing the work, but, but also really pouring all their energy into what's most important, their craft. What about from uh, elite strength conditioning coaches, sports scientists that you've worked with? What, what did you learn from them that they prioritized in and then made sure that 
you know, they were doing really well and, and perhaps things that surprised you that they, you know, either weren't part of their repertoire or, or skills that you thought might be relevant that actually weren't really used at, at, in elite sport? Probably two things that are super impressive at, at the higher level. And the first one's probably like flexibility and adaptability. We see things move, uh, particularly the last couple of years with COVID, but um, programs move, you know, athletes sort of scheduling changes, games sort of either a harder or easier loading change. Things, things are very, very movable. And, and that, so those elite coaches' ability to, to adapt and still get the most out of what they want it's pretty special. And I think that's something that like a uh, young coaches, you obviously, we spend, especially at university level, we spend a lot of time writing programs and year long programs and, and macro and micro phases. And, and like, a, you know, you get everything planned out, you finally learn, but then you walk through the door of a footy club at, you know, at a semi level or semi professional, professional level. And they've got that. It's just chaos inside of that. You know, there's a macro phase. They're throwing darts at it and they're ripping things out and they're replacing things and they're sliding things. And, Day one was this, but now day three is this. And anyway, it just, that's a really big thing. I think you, you just got to be really, as a young coach, go, cool. I believe in the macros and micros, and I understand the process and the systems that we've learned at university, but I've got to be super adaptive within that when I get to that next level. Yeah, that's a really big one, I think. And the other one probably is the ability to like listen to an athlete and, and understand where they're at and be able to communicate why we're doing something and, and have an athlete buy into that system you know my experience at the afl level both women's and men's is that the athletes get smashed like you know, <laughs> whether it's training like loads whether it's commitments outside of it whether it's games themselves whether it's injuries it's like it's full on right and we, we all know that but I, there's a really good coach's ability to, to communicate with, a, with an athlete and know when they're a little bit down or when they're a little bit up well and take advantage of that and be able to get a little more juice into the training or take a little bit out and, and, and still be able to get what they need out of it and ensure the athlete's getting the best out of their training. But again, it's almost like adaptability, but it's, it's interpersonal now. It's, it's being able to read an athlete and being flexible that your program is less important than how the athlete's feeling sometimes and being able to balance that. Yeah, I think that's a really big one as well. Awesome. Yeah, great advice, mate. Thanks for, for sharing that. It's a good insight for yeah, developing coaches and, but also for athletes as well. What about some highlights, mate, that spring front of mind that, you know, moments that you're proud of from your career so far? Probably the first one that just like jumps to mind was uh, I was, was probably my, my first real sort of season with the AFL, Western Bulldogs AFL Women's Program. And I'm sure it's well documented now that COVID hit the program pretty hard. In opening round of season six, we had some, we had some staff and players go down and it's all in the Disney show now. It was pretty tough. And I sort of, I was sort of three or four IC at the time, you know, I was sort of just an S&C coach for the one to four years. And, you know, like I said, so just an S&C coach. And so the bottom rung, all of a sudden doing the game, the pregame warm up and getting my field. So that was a massive part. That was just fun. That was crazy. That's one of the craziest I've had. And I absolutely love that. Um, and I'll, I'll live with that one for a long time. Uh, and the other one I reckon is probably the other end of the spectrum in the VFL. My first season as a HBM at the VFL level, uh, VFLW level, sorry, um, was, it was pretty tough. We, we didn't do very well. Um, we didn't win a game, um, and there was it was, it was it, as any team at any time not not winning and, and get doing your preseason and getting through it and then sort of you know getting beaten game to game can get really tough towards the end of the year and the, the way the VFL women's sort of ends it ends in winter so as the season draws on and we're not winning and it's getting colder and the weather turns shitty it was pretty tough and and I reckon that one of the things I look back on is is being able to 
still have fun and, and bring enjoyment. You know, it's, it's so silly, but it, I don't know if you've ever heard of spike ball, which is the net and there's, yeah, there's yeah. the ball. Anyway, anyway that game, it's a fun game. It's a fun warm-up game. I think it's brilliant for warm-up. We incorporated that into our warm-up, you know, and, and I think it, for a lot of people, the response is like, you're not winning, you're not doing very well. Like, you probably need to take this a little bit more seriously. And of, of course we did, and we had to look at our processes to get better. But the, the athletes are human. And losing sucks, and it's cold. And for me, it was just like being able to look on those memories quite fondly. Let's have fun with it. Let's still enjoy what we're doing because we're still it's still footy. We're still human, and at the end of the day, like we've just got to keep moving and keep it positive. So that's probably when I look back on it as well. Like it's probably a little bit off topic in terms of S and C and performance and that kind of stuff. But that's a good. One. That human connection. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And it, it just like touches on what you talked about there: the importance of being able to, you know, be adaptable, read your athletes, and those interpersonal skills, and recognize what's important at, at the time. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that's awesome, mate. And, and good to to back yourself in as well, and, and and stick fat to what you believe was was most important at the time. What about um, three books or, or documentaries, podcast episodes, if you like, that uh, for, for athletes or, or strength and conditioning, high performance staff that you think would be important to listen to or read to? This is a tough one for me. First one's probably Atomic Habits. I was actually at the Doggies and uh, Ben Walker, their SNC coach there, had, he was reading at the time and we, were, we spent a little bit of time talking about it. And so he recommended it to me and I jumped on it and uh, gave it a read and that was really, really good. So that one, that one's great. You know, one's for coaches and staff alike. Uh, sorry, coaches and players and staff. Um, that's everyone involved because, you know, it, it's a little bit more to your life, like you, how you change your life, how you alter your life in a really positive direction. And that just applies into training and plugs in. I reckon the other one for me, thing for me, it's like uh, I'm, I'm a big person on, on motivation and how do we find those every every SNC coach or athlete who's in a program has access to, to programming and has access to running and of course some people's programming and science is better than others that's the way it is but at the end of the day everyone's listening and everyone's running and, and sometimes we've got to find an extra ticket and for me let's just go with motivation and enjoyment so I'd probably throw two that are way off off sort of the cusp is, is Shoe Dog which is Phil Knight's book and I feel like that for me was a a really big book on inspiration and sort of taking risks and, and enjoying the process and, and sort of dreaming big. And, and I, it's, again, it's not really athlete specific or SNC specific, but it's big. Um, another one is uh, probably a bit lost in the last one, to be honest. We can, we can get find If it pops up, we can come back. Yeah, to it. I might come back to that one. That could be embarrassing. I've sort of drawn a blank. Anyway, yeah, that's all right. There's, there's too many. One, one will pop up. What about um, pet peeves, mate? What, what fires you up in the industry? I think we've already touched on a little bit, but but it's almost like the opposite of what I think makes a good coach is when is when is when staff or coaches uh, or people in the industry forget that everyone involved is human, and that's players and staff too. You know, I think we spend a lot of time talking about the, the athletes, which of, of course is critical, um, but but staff as well. And, and in 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 the in the stress of the system, in the stress of needing to perform and win, you lose sight of of humanity of of everyone involved, and and that people have their own personal struggles or people are still human and people still want to be able to have conversations and enjoy what they're doing and I, I think that from time to time you see you see people sort of lose sight of that um, mm-hmm. and that's probably based on stress and the need to sort of you know keep a, keep a job and that kind of thing and of course I understand but it's pretty hard when you start to lose the humanity of it and you, you know you, you start to stop treating people and caring for people and showing empathy and compassion it becomes pretty dark I reckon and that stems from do you think performances or is that people in certain roles that you know, is it a people thing or do you think it's a performance uh, thing or a bit of both 
I think it's a bit of both. I think I think performance obviously is a issue. When like for, performance fails, I think that can make that can turn the best of people to to become quite negative because it's very stressful, right? The industry of working is very stressful. But I think there's also being able to like uh, adapt with the times. You know, so the classic stories are sort of. Buckley or, or uh, like Damien Hardwick's a great one of his his evolution as a coach and, and how he sort of he, he sort of bought into that interpersonal um, and showing a bit more empathy and compassion and how it sort of turned the program around. I wouldn't say old school like you know old school thought process, but but definitely keeping up with new school and definitely sort of buying into being more empathetic and more compassionate. I think that's a huge learning for what a huge thing that staff could do or people in the programs could do. Yeah, hundred percent. What about a favorite way to spend your day off? Jump on a plane and get out of here. That'd be a great one. No, I, I think um, I think for me, being able to reset a little bit. I think coaching you give a lot. You know, you you, you give a lot out to people. Um, and I, you know, most coaches really enjoy that. And educating and mentoring and teaching and, and and giving to the athletes and helping them. A day off is open for me is, is as chill as possible. You know, it's probably college football season. It's watching college football on the couch for a couple of hours with something good breakfast whether that's you know a big breakfast or coffee and just just resetting a little bit and then maybe out for like a bike or something like, slow be slow be you know be grounded and, and sort of just reset and enjoy that i think ah, well said mate it's a pretty consistent answer for those uh yeah, high performance yeah. strength conditioning coaches like you said it's an energetic job and you need to recharge the batteries on our days off Absolutely. what's on the horizon mate for we're getting close to for those listening to the podcast you know it's the you know late november and 2022 what, what's uh, something that you're excited about for 2023 or perhaps if that's too far away the uh yeah, what's rest of 2022 for me it's a bit of a reset to be honest I've, I've just finished up my all my recent coaching roles and i'm sort of in a, in a period now where i get to reset and figure out where i want to go next so i get uh-huh. to go away over the, over the summer break which will be fantastic nice. i'm away i'm away for about six weeks over summer reset there get myself right and then for me i'm really keen to get back into coaching and, and i've had a couple of ideas over the last couple of weeks or months about how i want to sort of redesign training if i get another opportunity at that you know at that hpm level where i can sort of have a little more structure to it or control of, of the structure throw some ideas at, at, at what i at the training and and sort of maybe be a little bit sort of i, I would sort of break the wheel a little bit and see if i can do some different stuff i had some ideas and like i think i'm taking my american football background and applying sort of an snc world so i kind of want to see how that looks and feels moving forward yeah that sounds exciting mate and, and good to see practitioners yeah wanting to sort of shake things up a little bit rather than just doing the same old thing for those that want to get in contact and and follow up with any questions or just simply connect on socials where's the best place to get in contact yeah it's probably facebook or instagram uh, i'm not really uh marketable to be honest i'm not really out there doing a lot of stuff if you just reach out to caleb morgan on facebook or instagram or linkedin I'm there. I'm 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 pretty. I'm one of those people who absolutely hates a notification bubble. So I'll probably answer you pretty quickly <laughs> just so I get rid of the bubble. Yeah. Um, or I'll see you, or I'll just leave it on scene, and then you can just message me back and say what is going on here. Um, no, no, no. I will get back to you pretty quick. I hate the notification bubble. I clear them all. I'm OCD yeah. about it. So um, yeah, reach out, and I'll, I can uh, happy to talk to you. And yeah, get moving. Yeah. Awesome. And for those that want to get in contact and book a session, mate, where are you basing your Prepare Like a Pro individual sessions on the field? And, and uh, if gym's a possibility, where the gym session's taking place? So I think for me at the moment, probably pretty field-based. I've just sort of moved around the last couple of months this year. So a bit of a move, actually moved from location to location. So just setting up my under, my, my understanding of the area. So yeah, field-based. Field JJ Holland Oval um, in Kensington is, is one of the best 
turf fields in Melbourne. I will, I will say that with confidence. They've just redone it. Uh, it's so slick. It, it's so soft. It's, it's like, an, I think it's the American company that's gone and rolled it in. Um, so one of the best turf fields I've ever run around on. So for change of direction and speed stuff, it's 10 out of 10. So that's where I'll be at. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, yeah, make it, make sure to hit up that opportunity for those tuning in, whether your parents are, and you, you know, want to get your child faster, fitter, uh, change of direction as well. Um, make sure to hit us up and, and work with Caleb. We have our next guest, which will be Vince Kelly next Thursday at one o'clock. So thank you for everyone tuning in. If you tuned in halfway through, this episode will live on our YouTube channel until we publish it on our podcast. So make sure to listen to the very start, Caleb Drop Gems, all the way through, both for coaches, high-performance staff, but also for athletes wanting to get better as well. So highly recommend it. It's been a great chat. Thank you again, Caleb, for jumping on and, and looking forward to uh, having to catch up with you as well as um, yeah, catching up more importantly after you, what sounds like it's going to be a great trip, mate. Six weeks to recharge. They'll be uh, yeah, very jealous. Uh, no, thank you, Jack. I really appreciate it. I'm very appreciative of, of this opportunity and being able to work with a like a pro, but, but having this conversation and what you're doing is amazing. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, mate. And my role is very easy, asking the few questions. You, uh, you're you doing all the work, mate. So uh, thank you for coming on and, and sharing with us some, some good insight into your career and what will be an you know, amazing career ahead as well. And, and great to hear, you know, success leaves clues. So, you know, to share those insights into what it takes to work in elite sport. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks Absolutely. again, mate. Thanks. Thanks, Jack. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, Head sports dietitian on the football club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be and then game changes yeah, game changes, whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and you know and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary it unravels everything that i've been working with an athlete for yeah yeah another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the prepare like a pro live chat show here's an example with academy member rama davies the friendly editioning coach at the box hill box Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was, you spoke a, a, quite a bit about, um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or, um, do physically 
that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.